Welcome to In Your Business with Dr. Alex. Where we get all up in your business and your health. Enjoy live interviews and solo sessions with experts in business and health. Featuring your host, Dr. Alex Rosa. Ready to ignite your metabolism and transform your health? Sign up for Ignite Your Metabolism, the masterclass today. Perfect for women over 35 experiencing hormonal changes with difficulty losing fat and seeking to beat chronic diseases naturally. Learn about insulin sensitivity, hormones, and how to use intermittent fasting for a healthier and more energetic life naturally. Go to www.dralexrosa.com to download for free. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, 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 familia. Welcome to In Your Business with Dr. Alex, where we get all up in your health and your business. And today we're going to talk about embodying your future self, acting as if, y'all remember that movie, as if, and overcoming imposter syndrome. So I have a wonderful guest today, Miss Ruby Garcia, and we're going to get into today's episode. Without further ado, I'm going to bring this lovely lady on up. Here we go. Hi there. Hello. Hey, welcome. So if anybody is tuning in, definitely let us know where in this whole wide world that you are tuning in from. We'd love to give you a shout out. I'm coming to you from Ohio. Where are you at, Miss Ruby? I am in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, my God. I love North Carolina. I've been looking at houses in North Carolina. Oh, you're so welcome. I I do have to give a shout out to Chicago, though, because... I, you know, I grew up in the, the suburbs of Chicago and spent most of my life there. So I'm still Midwestern at heart, but I do love the North Carolina mountains and nice. ocean and just having access to, you know, beautiful, um, beautiful landscapes every single day. Yeah, that's what I love. When we first visited there a couple of years ago, I was like, where in the world can you be in the mountains and the forest and one side and then a couple hours later be on the ocean? I love it because those both feed into my vibe, all that nature stuff. And I was like, this is like perfect. That's exactly (laughs) why I came. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. So Miss Ruby, thank you again for spending some time with us today. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So um, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm Ruby Garcia. Uh, I'd like to keep it simple and say I'm a leadership and life coach, really focusing on the intersection of mindset. I'm also a certified NLP coach and hypnotherapist. So a lot of the work that I do is around mindset, who you're being, how you're showing up, and how your your being can generate the results that you want. So um, my main focus is really supporting Latinas. I wouldn't say I'm Latina exclusive, but that's kind of where my focus is, is helping Latinas, um, teaching them how to break from self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors to, you know, really self-mastery, which is increasing their self-love, acceptance, their uh, belief in themselves, so they can show up powerfully in their careers and in their life. Oh, I love that so much. And, you know, there was one particular topic that I saw of yours on LinkedIn that inspired kind of today's episode about the acting as if and overcoming imposter syndrome. But I did see another post you did recently about, which ties really nicely into this because I'm Latina as well. I'm Puerto Rican. And I know you had made a post about being Mexican American and about how it kind of was growing up because you grew up in Chicago and 
can you talk a little bit more about this? Because I think that story, you don't have to go too much into it, but I didn't want to touch on it because I loved that post and reading it so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad it resonated with so many. I mean, I think, you know, at the foundation of everything is identity. I think that we sometimes overlook that piece of really knowing ourselves, but identity is the foundation for who you're being. It's It will inform your doing and where you want to go. So I think that's always important to look at. So for my identity, I identify as Mexican-American. I'm a proud Latina, you know, daughter of Mexican um, immigrants. But I have a twist in my story. And that is that my dad passed away when I was 14 months old and my mom remarried to an American by the time I was two. So I uh, grew up in a very white, conservative um, suburb and I, I kind of lived in between two worlds the whole time, right? I had my Mexican family and I had my American family. And I knew how to act with each of those families and kind of what unspoken rules or behaviors were accepted. And um, that's kind of informed me. I always tell people, like, I grew up with Saturday mornings listening to Los Bukis, Ana Gabriel, Los Temerarios, and, well, cleaning the house, because, you know, my mom always had us cleaning, right? And then um, on Sunday morning, we were eating brunch, and I was listening to, like, Eric Clapton and Blondie and Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, so it, it kind of makes me laugh, because I had only learned about the word code switching maybe, like, eight years ago or something like that. I didn't even know that was a thing, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, normal. I've been doing this my entire life is this code switching, right? Because... Uh again, there was a way to be with my, you know, Hispanic family, and then there was a way to be with my American family. So that has informed um, a large part of my identity. I think when I was growing up, it was a little bit of a struggle, because I felt too American for my Mexican family, and I felt too Mexican for my American family. Um, I was also the only one for my mom's first marriage. So my three siblings, like, we all look different. They're tall, blonde, green eyes. I'm like, Sure, you know, um, soft. I, I like to say soft, <laughs> a little softer, and you know, dark hair, everything. So, you know, just it, I always, I also was born with a limb difference, so I have that physical disability. So I felt always a little bit othered, um, and I think that was difficult growing up. But as I got older, I started to see these not as not um, weaknesses or uh you know a bad thing right. but more of like embracing all of it so that um this is like what makes me unique this is why my like i said that that post got a lot of feedback but i think it's because we don't talk about these things and you know bringing it to light is like oh okay it's it's like okay to be both and and um so i've learned to embrace all of it Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I read, I was reading your post and I was like, this is amazing. And that's what I was wanting to bring with my show as well. Like really getting into, into people's business, like into them and their stories and not being afraid to share it because your story obviously touched me. It obviously connected with so many other people. And that's what I appreciate. And so many things I didn't know about you that I just learned that I absolutely love. And yeah, same thing for me. You know, I had never really heard of code switching either. And it's, you're living in both worlds and adapting and it's totally fine. <laughs> it's totally fine to do that. And I think that kind of plays really nicely into what we're talking about today, where that feeling like you have to be a certain person or be a certain way or act a certain way. 
and how it can cause a lot of friction within oneself mm -hmm. and lead to a lot of imposter syndrome and doubt and inauthenticity in yourself and what you're doing and who you are and how you show up in the world. So I was wondering if we can kind of start by talking about what what do you mean? What does it mean to you when you hear fake it till you make it? What does that bring up for you? What's your perspective on that? Mm -hmm. And how does that kind of go into like personal development and being who you are and blossoming into the person that you are? Yeah, I I cringe. Yeah. <laughs> I cringe hear fake it till you make it. And I think it's two reasons. I think one is that authenticity is one of my top values, right? So I don't like it because it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't align with my personal values. Mm. Two is I think it breeds the imposter syndrome, the, the fake it till you make it, because you are asking someone to be something that they're not, it sounds dis, disgenuine, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's always that fear of like, are they going to find me out? You know, um, will they realize that like, I'm, 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 I'm not yet there or, you know, I'm, I'm um, that feeling of, scarcity and, and, and inadequacy. And so I just, when I hear people give that advice, I just cringe because like, oh, don't do that. So I always say, you know, it's reframe that um, and act as if. So you're really looking at who are you becoming? Maybe you're not there yet, but who are you becoming and focusing on who you're being um, in that process? And that I feel like is more authentic because it's saying like, you know, maybe I haven't mastered this yet, but I'm in process. Mm. And that me feels more authentic and saying, instead of showing up and being like, yeah, I know it, you know, and, and then really you don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up attention to a couple of our comments here. We had some people joining. She says she can't stay for now, but she's going to check out the replay. And that's one of the topics that she works with clients on and she's le learning to learn from us today. So I absolutely love that. Kimberly, thank you. She says, buenos dias. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and we have lady. Good morning from Orange County. All right. And then we have a good morning from Clayton, North Carolina. Miss Erica. Hey, good morning. Thank you for joining us. So again, we're talking yes. about act, acting as if and overcoming imposter syndrome. And, you know, that whole part that you just spoke about, about, um, you know, being that person now in the moment. And, you know, that really relates to so much of what I do when I'm working on people with their health. And that can be one area that people don't, think to apply personal development to, but where it's so very important because in so much of health, people feel like when they're starting their whole health transformation journey or whatever it might be that, you know, they can't tell people they have to keep it a secret about what they're doing because maybe they've tried it in the past and it, you know, it didn't work out for them and they had some failure. And so now they feel inadequate. They feel like a fraud when in reality, so much of it is just being that person acting as if you already have achieved that health goal that you have in mind and just embodying that and, and being in that spirit and being that person, being that woman now that helps to alleviate so much of that friction and so much mm -hmm. of that imposter syndrome when it comes to our health. And especially for so many women out there and the clients that I work with, you know, they're all high achievers. They're all up in their game, up in their field, the 1%. And it's like, you got everything else on lock. And it's like, this one part can be very demoralizing sometimes when it shouldn't be, you know, we should be proud of our health and our bodies and loving ourselves and doing everything we can to support ourselves. 
And everything I talk about is very holistic and you as well. We're looking at things holistically and how can we support ourselves and be this future version of ourselves in all parts of our lives. So I love that so much. And it's so important. You know, I think what you remind me of is just the stories that we tell ourselves. This is even kind of going back to, you know, when I was talking about identity, we tell ourselves stories and we have to look at those stories and ask ourselves, is this a, an empowering story? Is this something that serves me or is this something that's disempowering? And, and we have to work on um, really training our mindset around that too. So as I mentioned, I was born with a limb difference. My left arm is shorter than my other one. I don't have an elbow. I only have three fingers on that um, arm. And so I grew up thinking that I was weak, right? Like my parents never made me do any like heavy lifting. They would have my siblings do it, but I kind of got out of those things that was very physical. And so, I, and it wasn't so much said to me that I was weak, but I guess it was just kind of modeled to me in, indirectly. And even I remember I, I had gotten a prosthesis when I was like three or four years old and, mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to wear the prosthesis, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I remember being told that I was born with a birth defect. They didn't call it a limb difference back then. They called it a birth defect. So I internalized a story of like, in a way, I just kept hearing all the time I was born with a birth defect. So I internalized that as like, I'm defected, right? Mm -hmm. I took on that identity of that. And so this is why identity work is so important because we have to, um, you know, like there was a lot of work that I had to go back and heal yeah. uh, and realize that I'm not defective. Like I was just born differently. Right. Like I have a disability. And so when it comes to the story about being weak, I decided very intentionally about almost two years ago that I was going to um, break up that story about being weak. Like that, I, I was going to no longer was I going to subscribe to that. Right. And so I was going to be conscious. So I started taking Krav Maga, which is self-defense. Yes, I love it. And kickboxing. And I fell in love with it. And I felt my strength, um, you know, increasing and my energy and like, I wasn't intimidated. And I would like beat up on my partner just because I knew new moves. And he's like, I'm, I'm five, five foot, he's like six, two, but, I, yeah. but in Krav, it's all about leverage. So it doesn't matter size, right? It's all about technique yeah. leverage and things like that. But that's what I'm saying is sometimes we, you know, I didn't feel strong, but what I said is I'm in process of, of gaining strength. I'm in the yeah. process of breaking up the story that I'm weak and I'm in, in process of um, becoming athletic, which was something that I never, you know, identified as before. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it was a little bit of a practice at first, right? It was that acting as if, which meant going to the gym, it meant, you know, showing up at classes, it meant practicing techniques. I was very fortunate because my two sons do it with me too. So they were kind of my accountability partners, right? Mom, we're going to class. And uh, actually about a year ago, right, right around this time, might have been even this day, um, but around a year ago, my two boys and I, we, we passed our level one Krav Maga test, and, which is a four-hour test, a physical endurance. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So it's not easy, right? But to me, that was the result. The result of me being, you know, strong and athletic and fit the result was that I passed that test, right? And so that's what I was doing was acting as if in order to generate the results that I really wanted in my life. So that's just one example of how it can play out. 
Oh, I love that. I love that, that you shared that story. A, I love it. And it's stories that we tell ourselves, labels, labels, words, whatever that people put onto us, not even realizing it. And then we internalize it and we carry it with us for our entire lives. That's what's so crazy about so much of what we experience as adults is all this shit that we just carry with us <laughs> from like, yeah, it's like, it's crazy. And it's like, and I think too, going back to like story, what you're telling yourself. And, you know, I think I had recently made a post about this too, but you know, it's never too late to change your life, to change your story, to change what's up here, what vessel that you're in, how you're shaped, whatever it is. It's never too late. And I think that's another story that people adhere to is it, well, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever it might be. And this is just how it is for me or the, or the people that they surround themselves with. And this is the norm of what is and how dare you try to be something that's not something that doesn't fit into what we consider normal for your age or who you are, where you grew up, your culture, your religion, your tradition, whatever it is, you know, that's so important to be able to break through those stories that we have that we're holding on to. So yeah, girl, act as if and, <laughs> and get over it. Yeah. So there was a couple of really great comments and shout outs that I want to give here. So we have Miss Natalie Alonso. She says, this fosters a true disconnect. I hear you and agree that identity is critical. And we have Miss Lady. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, am I? She used to have the belief that it was good to fake it until you make it. But thanks to Miss Ruby, she can, she changed her mind and she's going to act as if. I love that. Me too. And loving this conversation. Greetings from New Jersey. Good morning from Minneapolis. Wow, girl, we got everybody got from California, everywhere. New Jersey, everywhere in between. I'm telling you, our culture plays such a huge role in that as well. Yeah, the cultural narratives is huge as well. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. there are things that we grow up with, calladita de ves más bonita, you know, be a good girl. Um, you know, gender can play into it. You know, the more, uh, you know, be humble, that's another narrative, right? I always talk about be humble, and but, you know, in corporate, that doesn't, you know, help you, right? Or even as an entrepreneur, if you're trying to advance your business, you you have to own own your expertise. You Girl, let's talk about being yourself. humble. Let's talk about that right now. That was not on the agenda, but let's talk about it because this is something that really resonates with me as well. Because I know for me, since I started my own practice, we're about to get real. This is why I like my show because we're about to get all the business here. But like, yeah, when I came out with my own practice, honey, I had so many people hating on me close to me, relatives hating on me, calling me imposter, calling me fake, calling me all this. Who do I think I am? Whatever. Think that, thinking that this was like a fly by night, whatever, you know, a little hobby. And it can be so difficult to rise above all that and to keep going. And yeah, and a lot of what I grew up with, like I, so I teach um, at the local university, I'm a professor at the college over here. And so I have students and I always tell them, you know, when I was younger and growing up, I was so shy, never wanted nobody to pay attention to me. You know, don't look at me, don't talk to me. It, me, an opinion, what? Never, like I would never <laughs> say nothing, yeah. 
And my students never believe me because I deal with that with those first year students. They're very scared to go see patients and talk to patients and families. So I always relay the story like I was you, I was there. And that doesn't have to be your story. That's not who you are. We got to act as if, you know, you've got that degree, you're in there, you are the nurse, you are the professional, you've got to go do it. So for me, I always share that story. And that has been such a huge thing. And I continue, right? You continue to work on it every single day. It's a practice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the more that you grow, it's like, I always say new level, new devil, right? Because mm -hmm. you might conquer that next, whatever goal or accomplishment or being the person that you want to be. Now you, now you fully taking on the embodiment and it's no longer a practice. It's just who you are. And then you decide that there's something else that you want to grow and develop as, or a goal that you want to achieve. And then there's a there's a whole new set of circumstances that you're going to be fighting for. So the, you know, if if we're growth mindset oriented, it it never stops. We're always evolving. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always coming up against barriers. But it's you know, in, in my belief, I really think it's about um, all that is so that we can become the person that we're meant to be in this world. Mm. Yes, I love that. And I think too, being humble, you know there's a way to be humble, but I think so many of us have like taken it to an extreme or it's just, it's so far from what being humble actually is. And, you know, you got to toot your own horn out here in these streets because most people are not going to do it for you. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of the work that you've put into yourself, to your practice, to who you are. You, you absolutely have to celebrate that every single day. Yeah, girl, I'm so over the be humble story. Like we need to get over it, people. Like that is so bad. It's like shameless self-promotion. That's what we should yeah. be focusing on. Shameless yeah. self-promotion, right? Like you said, tooting your own horn, letting yeah. people know what you do. Um, yeah. and I think that you can still do that. You know, I, humility itself is not bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I look at my mom, one of the things, you know, she she taught me humility and it's, it's a value that I still hold on to. And I think it has served me well in this in this way that my mom always said you treat the janitor the same way that you treat the CEO of your company. You're going to treat them exactly the same way. You treat them with respect. You treat them with dignity. You get to know them. And I always did that wherever I was at, you know, whether I was in an office setting and I didn't know the janitors by name, the people that worked in the kitchen. And I would talk to them about their families and I would uh, talk to leadership as well later on as I developed more confidence because I was shy in the beginning too. Um, but so in that way, it you know, humility serves me well because you can put me in a room pretty much with anyone and I can adapt. Right. And I, I can talk to anybody there now where it it didn't serve me so well was when my mom said, you know, just go to work, be humble, put your head down and do your job and, and they're going to recognize you for your hard work. And then I wondered why, you know, it was 10, 15 years in my career and I was working really hard, but I wasn't getting the recognition that I felt deserved or the opportunities. And I realized that I really lacked, you know, visibility. I, I lacked self-advocacy, uh, the ability Ooh, to ask yes. for myself, right? And so in that way, that humble story um, didn't serve me. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes we look at things as either or, uh, good or bad, right or wrong, and we pit things against each other, and we have to look at the duality of things. That humility itself is it, it is neither of those things, right? Um, or it can be both and even. It's just about you know when are we when are we using it 
and and is it serving us in the circumstances that we're in oh i love that and you used one of my favorite words girl self-advocacy <laughs> Because it ain't nobody going to advocate for you. Ain't nobody going to speak up for you unless you speak up for yourself. And I think that applies to all areas of life, especially when it comes to your health, honey. You have to be your best advocate. And that's why I love making videos and doing the things that I do and talking about the things that I do in the way that I do, because you have to be your own advocate. And there's people out here that will sugarcoat things and will tell you what you want to hear. And in reality, is that helping you? Is that saving your life? No. And same thing when it comes to your career and when people are working with somebody like you and it's like you have to tell them like you tell them what it is and what the problems actually are so that they can work through them and be their best advocate. Because, yeah, self-advocacy, visibility, honey. And I tell my students this, too, like nobody's going to come up to you and give you X, Y and Z. Like you got to go out there and make it happen for yourself. Mm -hmm. Stop talk to people, ask questions, get, get visible. Like you absolutely have to, because if you don't, what happened to me for so many years in my life, you know, you just stay behind and nobody sees you. Nobody pays attention to you, get yeah. passed over. And that's unfortunately what happens. And people think it's the norm. Like that's just how it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. You're invisible, right? You play small. You're not living up to your full potential. Right. And so that's why the active act as if is so important, because it's also about, you know, reaching those those new levels of potential. And in order to do that, we have to reach outside of what we're comfortable with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So could you give us maybe to kind of round out the show today a little bit? Um, because obviously there's so many people interested in this topic and share this out with somebody. You got another coworker, you got another woman person in your life that can benefit from this. Share it with them, share it on the side, share it publicly, whatever it is, you know, share it with them because this is something that we deal with at any level, any level you're at, you will all, this will happen. <laughs> It'll cross <laughs> your mind. It will cross your mind. But could you maybe give some specific exercises or techniques or things that you do with your clients that people can put into action today? Because I always like people to take away from my show. What can they do today with this information that we're sharing? So one of the things that I would really focus on for whatever your, you know, you're trying to achieve or uh, a goal that you're trying to reach, um, something that you're trying to accomplish is to really think about who you need to be in order to generate that result. I want you to focus on the being. We always focus on, oh, when I when I get this credential, when I have more money, when I have more connections, then I'm going to do this and then I'll be happy and successful and whatever, right? But I want we need to actually that's it's it's backwards we really need to focus on who we're being right like how am i showing up how am i thinking how am i acting you know like um and so really get clear on who you need to be in order to reach those that outcome you want right that desired state and then you're going to actually practice being that person so for example um i'm, I'm going to give you an example and I'll, I'll tie this back into the actual practice oh, yeah. Uh, a couple, about four or five years ago, I applied for a very prestigious fellowship um, and there were over 300 applicants. It was a seven month total process to get through. But there was one day called Selection Day and you had to show up at this day and go through um, a mock. For example, it was a, a mock interview. So you read a case study. 
you had two minutes to read a case study, you were assigned a role, and then you had to play out the role, and then you were graded. A whole room of people were watching you and were, and were grading you. Then you had to do a case study. Then you had to present um, an argument for something. Now, I didn't have any background. This was a new industry for me. I was moving from business to foster care. And so I didn't have any background, but that's exactly what they were trying to do is take leaders from other industries and feed them into the foster care system to cause reform. Um, I use this act as if as part of my the way that I showed up to this event. Right. So I showed up as if I already had been selected yes. as a candidate. Right. I was competing with people from Harvard, Yale, people that had been doing like work in Iraq. I mean, people that I, I consider like hella smarter than me, right? Like hella smarter than me, right? I mean, at first gen, it took me 15 years to get my uh, bachelor's degree. I probably should have a PhD, right? I was on a, a, a long track journey. Mm -hmm. um, so, but anyways, I, I took on this act as if I, the way I dressed, right? I dressed as if I had the role already. I spoke with authority as if I had the role already. I made sure to stand out. I brought like a, a thank you cards. And after every interview, I made sure to to write a thank you note. I was the only person out of the entire, um, I don't know if there was like 25, 30 people there that day, but I was the only person that did that, right? I, um, so I acted as if I had the role already. And I ended up, being one of the final 12 selected for this um, opportunity. And so, but what I did was I, it was the embodiment of being a leader in that space, even though I hadn't yet done it. So I journaled about the opportunity. I wrote down, you know, who I needed to be and who I needed to show up as. Um, you know, I thought about, you know, some other practical ways that you can think about this is like, what are daily practices that you can integrate? Like if you want to be a writer, for example, what do writers do? They write, they schedule time, they have a ritual, they're reading, they're doing things that inspire them so that they can go and, and write from an inspired place, right? So mm -hmm. it's really taking on, um, you know, look at your priorities. If you want to be a successful business owner, is a successful business owner on social media, you know, three hours a day? Probably not, right? What kind of things are they doing? What kind of habits are they having? So it's about really looking at and identifying some of the traits of the person that you want to be and integrating that into your daily practice. And, to, and it is a practice. I say it's a practice because we haven't yet built the muscle for it or the capacity for it. But as you do it, you know, you do it day one and then you do it again day two and it starts to become a habit. And then at some point, it's just who it's just part of who you are. It's no longer about like something separate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a practice. And I don't I don't think people use that word enough. Like it's a practice. Like there's so many things that we got to practice, like we have to do. And I think for myself, you know, I think people see the health transformation that I had and the things that I talk about when I share my story and overcoming, you know, like heart failure and uh, prediabetes and blood pressure and depression and anxiety and all the things and that I dealt with with my health. And you know, they just think, well, she did it and is done and, you know, problem fixed and she don't got to worry about it anymore. Life is so easy for her. And I'm like, hell no, it ain't easy for me. Like it's a practice. I got to still work on my mindset, my habits, my routines, the things that I do 
every single day because I'm trying to live this as a lifestyle, a long, happy, healthy, quality filled, energy filled, you know, fun ass life. And I have to do things on the daily. I have to practice every single thing mm -hmm. that I do every single day. Mm -hmm. And the biggest muscle that I got to practice is the one up here. <laughs> that is the one that holds, I'm pointing to my head for the people yep. listening to this on audio later on. <laughs> I'm pointing to my head. It's the mindset. It's your mind. Oh my gosh. That is so the thing that you have to work on and overcome and just deal with every single day is those things and those yeah. stories tell yourself and looking for proof, honey, looking for proof out there in the world of what is possible and modeling yourself and learning and adapting what those people do to who you are, because what works for one person is not going to work for somebody else. It's all in customizing and tailoring things for your life and for who you are. And you got to just look out there again. You got to be your own self-advocacy, honey. You got to be out there looking for this. Yeah. And I love that you point to the, you know, the mindset because the mindset is so important. You have to master your thoughts and that includes mastering your self-talk because, and, and, and Dr. Alex, I'm sure that you can speak more on this too, is like um, so many of us don't realize this, but there's so much, so much work being done in the area of, you know, neuroscience and, and how the mind and body and spirit are connected. But if, if you are talking to yourself negatively, like you, that is actually you you are embodying that at a, at a cellular cellular level at dna level that's why it's called disease right disease so you have to take control of your thoughts and you know i mean it, it's it, it's not always easy it does require work right but you've got to start looking at noticing what kind of thoughts are you thinking how are you talking to yourself i ask people all this all the time are you your own best cheerleader and best friend or are you your own worst abuser and critic Right. Yeah. Gotta yeah. Take those oh, my gosh. So much. Oh, my gosh. So much I could say on that, because I just one thing I'll start with this is I did. I had a client recently who really just she just let it all out to me one day. And she was like, I she was like, I just punished myself with how I talk to myself. She was like, my thoughts are very self punishing. And it, it was around food and her body image. And I was like, uh, uh, no, 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 no. So we worked on that. And then we also identified that she was kind of transferring that onto her little, onto her son, onto her little one around food and around behaviors and rewarding with food. And it would turn into a whole thing. So that was one aspect of it. And then, oh my gosh, I was going somewhere else. Oh, you were talking about the cellular level and the disease. So there's an assessment that I run through. And I, you may have heard of this. It's called ACE, ACEs, um, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And those experiences that you have as a child, your your environment, the, the, the things you were exposed to, the experiences more than anything that you're exposed to as a child, how they change and influence your health as you're growing, as you're going through puberty and going into adulthood, they absolutely, it's been proven time and time again, it absolutely impacts how you develop and what your risk factors are for developing cancer and depression, obesity, stress, anxiety, heart attacks, cancer, on and on and on and on. They are, the two are directly correlated. And so what I love to do as well is, you know, I'm very much about family and, and ending generational cycles of things within yes. family. And this is what we absolutely have to do. Anything that you learn from today, implement it with the younger people in your life. They don't have to be your own kids if you don't got kids, but we got cousins, we got friends, we got, you know, step this and that. 
transfer this and think about it and apply it to the little ones in your life and see how their lives can change. The trajectory of their entire life can change just because one little thing you taught them about self-talk or advocacy, anything like they're not too young to learn. They can understand, you know, I do the same. I do these things with my five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you point to such a, um, you, you point to such a important piece to regarding that was, uh, what was it? Adverse childhood experiences. Yes. Because when I first became coach, I really struggled. I've been a coach for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And um, I really struggled with some of it. And I thought there was something wrong with me in the way that I wasn't grasping things. Like I, I was having trouble reaching my own goals, even though I knew the strategies around mm -hmm. it. And, but, and, and even knew the mindset around some of it too. But what I needed was the healing. The healing was a missing component for me. And it wasn't until I started going to therapy and dealing with some of it. And a lot of this was like not noticeable. I didn't really realize like I'd kind of buried some of these things. And I realized that some of them were coming up again. And some of the ways that I was operating, like here I was a 40 year old woman, but I was still operating from like a 12 year old girl that was like abused in middle school. Right. And so I had to heal that kind of inner child and, um, and do some reparenting as well, which is a whole other topic that we <laughs> today, but how to do some reparenting as well. But the, that healing was really critical in, I, I would say reestablishing the relationship with myself. Exactly. Right. So, um, and so that was so important because it was that missing piece. Um, and so sometimes we will beat up on ourselves because we're not getting where we want to be. And what mm -hmm. I would invite people to look at is, is there some healing that needs to take place first, right? And, and then continue to do the work or do it congruently, right? Mm -hmm. but, but let's not overlook um, that piece, because you, like you said, there's a lot of intergenerational trauma. I did some work even on myself going back to my great grandparents. I noticed uh, patterns that had been passed down. Like my, my um, great grandparents were deaf. And, and so, and it's funny, not funny, I guess, maybe ironic, but that was something that got passed down was like a lack of using voice even to my generation right uh, uh, and, and me and so i really had to work on that um and act as if right and, and practice speaking out in in public situations and being on live streams and, and podcasts uh in order to use my voice and, and break some of those generational um patterns oh i love that yeah girl we could do a whole nother show on all of that <laughs> totally I love that. And we've definitely, you know, had an impact on some people today. So Angelica says, hi from Durham, working on overcoming my shyness and starting to embody my future self with acting as if I realized that tough love growing up did not work for her and amplified her shyness and fear in her career, which ended up causing a hu huge imposter syndrome for her. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. So real. I'm abused myself the most. My thoughts. Yeah. Says Erica. Yep. And Erica says the wounded child. Yep. Yep. And so like for Erica and anyone listening, one of the things that you want to really do is start to take notice of your thoughts, right? 
notice your thoughts. What are the negative thoughts that you're telling yourself? I'm a loser. I'm whatever, not enough. I'm this way. And sometimes those thoughts you might even identify if they came from someone, you know, does it look like someone? Does it sound like someone? Um, and, and you want to notice them and then label them. There's a saying that says like, name it to tame it. So mm. label them, identify what it is. And then you want to start tracking. How often are you saying that? Is there a trigger? When are you saying it? Who is it? Is it someone that you talk to that then it, it triggers it? And then start to interrogate your thoughts. Inter Ooh. But do it in a way that's not judgmental, but out of a place of loving curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, where are these coming from? Where did I create this story? For example, mm -hmm. like I told my story earlier about my birth, uh, my limb difference, right? And, and, and but when I interrogated that, it was that, oh, I've been saying I'm defected all my life pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had to unlearn that. And then we have to look for new evidence, right? We, we want to replace that thought. What's the thought that we want to replace? And then we start to look for new evidence for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it takes about 21 days to neutralize. You know, everyone talks about like 21 days to break a habit. No, it only takes 21 days to neutralize like uh, a way of, of thinking, but it takes about 60 to seven, 67 to 80 days to actually replace that thought. Mm -hmm. So it does take a little work, um, but it is possible. And you can do that with 80 days or shameless plug. I'm a certified hypnotherapist and we can do yeah. it. In an eight hour Don't be humble. <laughs> I think you do an eight hour session and just get to the room, pull it out. So, yeah. um, but you know, those are some real practical ways is just to start mastering our thoughts, right. And replace them. And um, because we take just by nature, we're creatures of habit. So we take the path of least resistance. Right. And so um, in a way, our brain works like a freeway and it's like we take the same way every single day and we have to rewire and create new freeways and new ways of being and new ways of thinking. Yes. Yeah. Safety, security, what's easy. That's what our brain wants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I can 100% testify to what you just said, because I, I catch myself every single day. And I think, and this, maybe people are familiar with like the term of like self-coaching is like, you have to catch yourself. It, it's great to work with somebody like no lie. Like you need somebody, you need somebody to work with at every level of the game that you're at. You need somebody, but for yourself to start doing that on your own is so important too. And like, I'm always, always, I, I ain't gonna, gonna lie. I am always catching myself with thoughts or things that are popping into my head that used to be my story or used to be my script, used to be my habit, used to be my go-to always constantly they're 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 still trying to go they're still trying to get ready and take off and i would have let them oh girl because i had terrible um panic attacks and all that because mm -hmm. i would just let those thoughts just run wild and go crazy mm -hmm. but now i catch them and i'm able to stop and identify them right as soon as they start to go i i i pick up on them and i'm like oh hold up nope that's not what we're doing now and i read and i re-talk to myself and i yes. switch everything back around and it I, that's why I tell people, like, I haven't been on a medication for depression. I haven't been on medication for anxiety. I haven't had a panic attack and I don't know how long all because of this simple thing. And it really goes to 
the eye of spice so people think like spice is like a food and stuff like that and i'm like no i said it's actually kind of like the head to soul assessment that i created the how i triage patients and work with them in a holistic way and so the eye of spice stands for insight and mm -hmm. insight was so much of the work and uh, the thing that i had to do with myself that really kind of took off and spread into all the other areas of wellness that spice touches on which is spiritual and physical my career wellness my career never would have took off if i would not have been able to focus in on that insight and then my emotional health as well. So that's kind of what SPICE stands for. But yeah, that insight, self-coaching and the thought patterns, it, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's a practice even that we have to take on daily too, right? Is um, because those old thoughts, I mean, if you've been thinking, you know, I'm 45. So if I've been thinking something for 40 something years, yes. <laughs> it's a little work to break, right? Because and I think a lot of the work that we're, you know, the a lot of the work that I believe that we're doing right now is the unlearning yeah. because we've been conditioned in so many ways, right. And taught so many ways that this is how you need to be. Yeah. And so it is the unlearning and unbecoming in order to become. In order to become. Ooh, I think that's a perfect ending for today's <laughs> show. I think that's a perfect ending. I love that. So we, Miss Lady here, she says, yes, please do that. You two are inspiring. Gracias. We love you, Mama. Thank you. Inspiring. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for today's show. So Ruby, where can these people connect with you out here in these streets? What you got going yeah. on? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably where I am the most present is on LinkedIn. I am trying to get back on Instagram a little more also. So I'm on um, Instagram also. And uh, you can find me at rubygarcia.com. Uh, um, feel free to connect with me. I'm in the process of writing a book for first-gen Latinas navigating corporate America. That'll be out later this year. It's called Querida Mujer. So um, if you follow me, you can learn more about that as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely reach out to Ruby. She's an amazing resource for you. I see a chat coming through. I wanted to pull it up real quick. Oh, Erica says, mil gracias. We love you, mama. Thank you for tuning Thank in today. You. Appreciate you so much. Yes. And I'm Dr. Alex and you can find me on all the socials. I'm pretty much on all the platforms and you can catch me pretty much every Wednesday bringing in your business where I will have a fantastic guest for you. And if you'd like to learn more about my masterclass, Ignite Your Metabolism at Any Age, it's a free download. Definitely just reach out to me. I can set you up with that. And if you have any questions, always reach out to either one of them, either one of us <laughs> for any further assistance. So we're going to head out today. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you again. Thanks for tuning into In Your Business with Dr. Alex. We hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. If you found value in our content, we'd love for you to do a few things. First, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Second, share this episode with someone who would benefit from the information. And lastly, leave us a love letter in the form of a review on your favorite podcast platform. It helps us spread the word and bring more amazing content your way. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of In Your Business with Dr. Alex.